where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. Copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do. I'm going to invite you to open up to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, that's where we'll find ourselves this morning. As we continue our journey through the sermon series, we, sh- we, shall, walk, we shall live by faith. Excuse me, I guess if we're going to live by it, we'll walk by it as well. We shall live by faith, and it's Paul's letter to the Romans. So this morning, um, we are going to be looking at a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different thought because there's two camps. The first camp is, is that I'm saved by works. The second camp is, is that I'm saved through faith. And so this morning we are going to see that we shall live by faith. So this morning I want to invite you to think about a thought. In Genesis, okay, in Genesis, in Genesis, actually, uh, let's see here. Um, in Genesis chapter 17, in Genesis chapter 17, what I want you to think about is you're 99 years old, okay? And you are at a place in your life where you kind of feel like, man, my life is over. I'm pretty much done. There's nothing left for me to do. And then all of a sudden, God shows up. So pick up with me in Genesis chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to look at this story about Abraham, and the reason we're going to look at this is because of the simple fact Paul is going to talk a lot about Abraham in Romans chapter 4. So picking up in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, listen to what it says. When Abram, notice that he's not been named Abraham yet, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations." And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring and after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be God, an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you, after you, the land of your sojourners and all the land of Canaan. For an everlasting possession, I will be their God. And then look at verse 9. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, and after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. And every male among you shall be circumcised. 
And some of you would say, well, pastor, that is an unusual spot to stop reading that text. Well, one of the reasons I stopped there is, is number one, we don't have time to read all of Genesis chapter 17. But what I want you to see this morning is, is Abram's 99 years old. If you continue to read in this passage, you would find out that Sarah, his wife, is barren. She cannot give birth to a child, or at least that's what she thinks. And so therefore, God is making this covenant with Abram, now who is Abraham, and he's saying, hey, guess what? From your offspring, translated from your children's children's children, I am going to show out and remind the world that I am God. And you would say, why is that important today? Why is that important today? Because you and I are part of his offspring. You and I are a part of his family. You and I are his children. But here's what I want you to think about. You're 99 years old. I don't know about you, but if I live to 99, I'm probably not thinking about the fact of having children. And I know what some of you are saying. Well, you're a man. You wouldn't have anything. The point that I'm making is I'm not going to even think about Beth being put in that situation at 99 years old. But then all of a sudden, God shows up, and he makes a promise. Church, if there's anything that I want you to hear this morning, I believe if there's anything that God wants you to hear this morning, it is this. It is this. God's promises will always be fulfilled. I don't think you heard me. If there is anything that I think God wants us to hear through Romans chapter 4 this morning, through Genesis chapter 17, through Psalms 32, is this, is that God's promises will always be fulfilled. Make sure you hear what I just said, church. I did not say man's promises. I did not say America's promises. I didn't say the pastor's promises, the church promises. I said God's promises. Yesterday, Deshaun, our associate pastor, sent our staff an, a text letting us know that we needed to be in prayer for Hillsong Church in New York City. Hillsong is the world's largest church. Many of you in this room probably know Hillsong based on their music. If you don't know it, a lot of the songs that we sing is from Hillsong. They're based out of Australia. They have a campus in New York. And the lead pastor was fired this past week for a moral failure. And Sean sent us a video reminding us that none of us can escape failure by ourselves. None of us can escape failure by ourselves. But can I tell you something, church? Even though that pastor has fallen, 
even though he will be held to a different standard than all other people. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't be held to a different standard. And even though that church will be blown up because of the leader's failure. Church, I don't know if you know this or not, but we're a family, okay? We're all a part of this thing together. So if I fail, you fail. And if you fail, I fail. And so the reality is this, is that you're 99 years old. And you look back on your life and you're like, man, my life is a failure. Like I did not measure up to my desires. I did not measure up to the plans that I had for my life. And then all of a sudden, God shows up and says, hey, Abram, you're no longer going to be Abram. You're going to be Abraham and you're going to be the father of Israel. You're going to be the father of the church. And from you will be a multitude of 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 blessings. And God is going to show out through your offspring. You're like, hey, God, I don't know if you know this or not, but my wife is also 99 years old, or she's in the upper 90s, and old girl ain't ready to be having no children. But when God is present, All things are possible, amen? Amen. And so you would say, what is that in relationship to Hillsong's church? Pastor Chris is his name. And can I tell you something? I pray for his wife and his children. I pray for his people, the people that God has allowed him to influence for the kingdom of God. Because not all of his life disqualified his ministry. A single act will cause him probably never to be able to stand in the pulpit again. But a single act that you do will cause you to be able to keep on keeping on like nothing ever happened. Just so you know, I'm not a pastor standing up here letting you know that I'm not without failure. I fail every single day. But what I am saying is, is that God is never through with you. When the world counts you out, and here's what's so sad, when the church counts you out and says you have no value, you have no worth, you have no identity, can I tell you something? It's through this great storm that Hillsong Church is going through today that God could use to bring revival to that church. Because our faith is not in man. Our faith is in God. So a little commercial here. If you come here because of me, I promise you I'm going to let you down. If you come here because of our music, I promise you you're not going to like it all the time. If you come here because of our children's ministry, some volunteer or several volunteers might say to you what you might not want to hear, but you need to hear, and you might not like it. If you come here because you like the seats, Just wait, we'll probably get kicked out and have to be in a tent revival because you like the seats too much. The point that I'm making is, is that we don't come for mere man, we come for God himself. We don't gather to gather under the umbrella of community church, we gather as God's family, as God's children, as his house, as his people, as his chosen ones. And his promise is to be fulfilled. So because of this covenant, Abraham tries really, really hard 
to do everything right, to almost make himself righteous. So go back with me to Romans chapter 4. Pick up with me in verse 1. And we're going to go as far as we can go today. We might get to 25, we might only get to 12, but we're going to go as far as we can go today. But we're going to start out in verse 1 and read down to verse 12, and that's where we're going to start. Romans 4, verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Now to the one who works, his wages counted as a gift. Now the one whose works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as a due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessings of the one whom God counts righteous apart from works. That's Psalm 32, 1 and 2 that he's quoting here. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Look at verse 9. In this blessing, when then in this blessing, then only for the in this blessing, then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it, be, it, was it before or after that he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So Father God, I beg you this morning to hide me behind your cross to give me wisdom to teach this text. God, thank you for Chris Tigreen and his, his unbelievable knowledge that was poured out over me this week as I studied these verses. And God, I pray that you would use what he has taught me, what your word has taught me. And God, I pray that we would realize by faith for everyone is the only way that we can be saved. So God, do what you do. Show up, show out. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Abraham, is in a place in his life where he's trying to honor God. By the way, he, he's not quite there yet. He's looking at his life and he's saying, well, think about it this way. You've been a devout Jew all your life. Your family has diligently followed the instructions of Deuteronomy 6. Listen to these words. 
These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them. When you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be your frontlet, frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. You, diligent, you, you diligently followed this instruction. The blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience has been thoroughly ingrained in your heart. There were words from God himself. And as with these words from God himself, as with any believer, they are sacred to you. Inextinctively, you know not to listen to any contrary voice. Any message that might deny the perfection of God's word. This was given as an everlasting covenant throughout generations. God has said this so many times, sometimes about a particular feast or a Sabbath, other times about an entire law. In your mind as a Jew, the law is permanent. So you've, you, you've done this. Why? Because you've been told if you do this, everything will be all right. But what we're going to see is this morning... Does this mean that law justifies you before God? You may not have ever considered that question. You believe in God. He gave your people instructions. You follow in the instructions. It's that simple, right? Ty Green goes on to say, but things are rarely as simple as they seem in the human heart. What would have moved you to keep the law? A desire to make yourself righteous or faith in what God had said? One motive depends on self-justification, the other on God's righteousness. Two law keepers could, could obey for entirely different reasons, and their differences matters enormously. So in the past, I've told you that there are people that have been saved by credit, and there are those that have been saved by debit. What we're going to see in Romans chapter 4 this morning is people who were saved by credit. Why? They were saved through faith. Look at the terminology of this text with me this morning. Verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Meaning, why did circumcision matter in the first place? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Hear what it says, church. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you believe God? If you believe God, then your works and your faith will follow that belief. But here's what's crazy. I know for us, we want to be justified. Like we want to, we want to prove that we're right. And we'll go to whatever measures. Can I just share something with you? I'm exhausted in trying to prove that I'm right when I know that I'm wrong. What I mean by that is, is that I keep on sinning, and I keep on struggling, and I keep on fighting a battle, and I keep on trying to climb a mountain, and I keep on trying to keep up to keep up, and I just want you to know this morning that no matter how hard I try, no matter how hard you try, you cannot do it on your own. So Paul writes to the Romans, and he's really writing to the Jewish believers, but he's also writing to the Gentiles there in Rome, and this is what he's saying. What has Abraham gained? 
What does Abraham accomplish by all these works? For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That word counted there also means credited. Now to the one, verse 4 says, now to the one who's, who works, his wages are not counted as a gift but as a due. Meaning, guess what? I don't know if you know this or not. We always love when Friday gets here. But guess what's coming? Monday. And you know why Monday's so important? It's because that's when we go to work. That's when we get paid. And we work so that we can get paid, correct? I mean, I understand that some people don't think that you have to work to get paid. But the reality is, is that it's, it, it, it was created, the, way, the reason wages were created in the first place is because there was a work that was to be done and you would receive a wages for your work. I know several people in here that own businesses, and I can guarantee you that if people show up and all they do is sit there, they're probably not going to get paid for doing nothing. But here's how we work, church. We want, to, we want it to be so much about us and about what we do that when something like what happens at Hillsong Church, we go, oh my goodness, how did that happen? Do you not think that every man, every woman, every person that you know could possibly fail? Could possibly blow it? Oh, I understand today's Sunday, and we're super spiritual, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't fail on a, on a Sunday. I mean, we're at church, fish. I mean, we came to the right place, and we're hanging out with the right group of people. We're good. No, you're not. No, you're not. You know what this tells me about you? You know you're messed up. The reason you come to church is because you know that you're messed up. You know that you don't measure up. You know that no matter how hard you try, you just continue to feel like you come short and come short and come short. And so what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 4 is, is he's saying, hey, look, Abraham was not justified by his works. He was not justified by being circumcised. He was justified by his faith. I wish we had time to go back and look at Genesis chapter 17 and think about that mindset. 99 years old, you're looking back on your life, you're like, man, my life's counted for some things. I mean, my wife and I've had a great marriage. I mean, we've both lived almost to be 100. I mean, we don't have any kids to show for it, but I mean, it's been a great life. And, and then all of a sudden, God shows up and says, hey, Abraham, Abraham, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm about to bless you, brother. And Abraham looks, Abraham looks at God and goes, you sure you got the right house, God? I'm 99. It's about over. Like, I'm, 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 I'm about to check out. I'm about to be finished. And God goes, whoa, wait a minute. Hold up. It's not over till I say it's over. It's not finished until I say it's finished. For my promises will be fulfilled. So we pick back up in Romans chapter 4, and this is what it says in verse 5. Look at what it says in verse 5. Don't worry about them lights. That's, a, that's, that's the enemy messing with me. Verse 5, and no one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So here's what it's saying. Now, this is not going to work tomorrow when you get to work. Well, I'll just sit over here and I'm going to get paid on Friday no matter if I work or not and let a homeboy do all the work all week and he'll get paid the same thing. Tell me how that works out for you. And if it works out for you pretty well, then I want to go work for your boss because I'm just telling you most people don't pay people to do nothing. 
But praise God that in this thing called faith, it's not about what you or I have done. It's about what's been counted on our behalf through Christ Jesus. You see, Paul has got a faith because God said something. Paul has, has, Paul has got a faith because God told him, hey, look, Paul, do you remember what you've done? And so now Paul, being a believer, had now put his faith in Christ, now understands that his faith has been counted as righteousness. Now he's trying to let the, the good church people in Rome know that the only way your faith is going to be counted, the only way your life's going to be counted as righteous is through what? Faith. So it's been credited to your account. Paul sets out in Romans to prove that the covenant beginning with Abraham has always been by faith. Later he will describe Christians not as heirs of an entirely different covenant, though there are new aspects of it. Rather, Gentile believers in Jesus as uh, believers in Jesus as Messiah are grafted into the root of Abraham and as his people. Everything in Paul's argument depends on how the covenant came into the beginning. Was it because of Abraham's righteousness? No. Abraham was righteous because he believed in the covenant. Faith came first. And so here's where we are. We're exhausted because we keep trying to measure up. And we keep trying to work our way into heaven. And we keep trying to be at the right place at the right time to do the right thing in the right situation. And we keep being as if it does not matter. So Paul turns to a quote from David in verses 6 through 8. It actually comes from Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Look at what it says. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Look at 7 and 8. This is Psalms 32, 1 and 2. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. You know what that says this morning, church? You and I are blessed. You and I are blessed. Why? Because our lawless deeds are forgiven and have been covered by what? The blood of Jesus. Not through circumcision, not through works, but through Jesus. Look at verse 8. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. You know why our sin will not be counted against us? It's not because of what we've done. It's about what Christ has done for us. So we are not saved by the law, we're saved through faith. So then it goes on to here. Here's the idea. Abraham was accepted because of faith. He understood that his, and, and David was accepted because of his faith. He understood that lawless deeds can be forgiven and those who are blessed are those whom God isn't counting sin. So choose your system, Ty Green would say. Paul is essentially saying there are two systems you can choose to operate in. You can operate in the world's righteous system, in which case you will lose. Or you can operate in the grace by faith system, in which case you can only receive. This is how your righteousness can exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, as we looked at a few weeks ago in Matthew 5.20. It's God's righteousness given to you. Paul makes the same argument later in Galatians. But it's, in, it's important to remember that we choose to live 
in the system. God does not give us the option of applying it only to ourselves and not to others. Many Christians gladly receive God's mercy, then apply a law and judgment to the sins of others. Jesus had harsh words for those people. Those who really understand his mercy, that by definition, it is given to the undeserving. Freely share it with others. Those who don't share it with others have never really understood it and may not have genuinely received it themselves. So as we wrap up our time this morning, timing is everything. We know Abraham believed in God and that his faith was credited to him as righteousness. But how do we know that this was entirely a part of the sign of the covenant that works and the works of the law? Because the sign of the circumcision would not be given until Abraham was 99 years old. Remember Genesis 17? Two chapters after the declaration of Abraham's righteousness. And because the law would be given at least four centuries later, So imagine this, Abraham had been chosen righteous four generations, four centuries before the giving of the law itself. So if Abraham was counted righteous before the law even got there, was Abraham saved by the law? No, but he was the father of their faith. So check this out. This means that Abraham technically wasn't Jew yet when he was declared righteousness. A key plank in the argument Paul is building, even when the law came later, it would not be about his sterile works. You see, many Christians assume that circumcision was a physical work, not a sign of faith. But Paul rebutes that in verse 11. Look at it in verse 11 with me. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had had that he had had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe, whether being circumcised so the righteousness would be counted to them as well, or to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So why does this matter? It's easy to think about in the early chapters of Romans how we get stuck in technical, legal, or theological issues about Jews and Gentiles. The church has existed largely as a Gentile movement for nearly 2,000 years. And few believers feel the need to satisfy satisfy the Mosaic law in their daily lives. Most have settled that issue for ourselves. Or have we? Even though we don't adhere to the detailed Levitical laws regarding rituals, diets, diseases, feasts, sacrifices, tabernacle design, we still tend to treat the law or rules as standards as a mean of righteousness or to righteousness. You see, the fallen human heart would much prefer religion to a true relationship with God. We just want him to tell us what to do and then fade back into the background while we go, while we do it or not. 
We find it more natural to rely on our outward instruction than to seek inner transformation. You see, this issue will come up again. And it will come up again. And it will come up again. But you see, church, the gospel is profoundly different than either Jewish or Gentiles' religions. It is a radical message of grace that aims not merely at a better behavior, but at a fundamentally changed heart. That's the seat of real righteousness in our lives. If we receive God's gift by faith, it's it's where we become truly new, resurrected beings. So as we close out our time this morning, in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, for always and for everyone should be our goal. You see, this section in Romans centers on two foundational truths, Tigreen says. Faith is the basis of a right standing with God and the university of the gospel. And on the first point, latter brilliantly addresses both Gentile and Jewish concerns. Gentiles, Paul essentially says, if you become part of the people of God because of a promise made made to Abraham, then you can't deny God's promises to Jews because that promise is one of them. It still stands, so do others. It still stands, so do the others. But to Jews, he seems to say, the covenant you thought was exclusively yours is inclusively after all. It expands God's promises to everyone who believes, not just to those who were ethically, religiously Jewish. And then he says, the second builds on the first. If the gospel of the right standing before God is based on faith, then anyone has access to it. God's plan is global and universal, not to a particular one group of people. This is the message to everyone who has felt like a failure. Anybody with us? Any of you felt like a failure? I have. This message is to everyone who has fallen short of God's glory. Remember last week, Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short of God's glory. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That's every one of us. This message is to everyone who knows he or she is not inherently qualified to enter the kingdom and stand boldly before God. Regardless of your heritage, your failings, you can enter into a new covenant with God by what? By faith. And you're saying, preacher, why would you spend so much time on this? Because we say that the cross has delivered us from the law. But it's amazing how we wear these big chains on our legs and we pull these big balls of fundamental legalistic mindsets, thinking if I do this or I do that, then I'm good. And so why do we find ourselves as a country divided? Because we want to say that that's okay and that's not okay. We want to say that's wrong and that's right. We want to say those people don't know what they're talking about. Those people do. You know what's amazing about all of that? Every single one of us are sinners. And every single one of us falls short. So why is it that we would put an expectation on this person 
but not on this person. When reality is, is that if we'll live by faith, what did we, understand, what did we learn today about Abraham? Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter when you think it's over that it's over. What matters is, is it's not over until God says it's over. And you're going to live by faith because if you don't, you're going to die trying to live your righteousness through works. Because you know what works does? It just builds upon more works, upon more works, upon more works. And I don't know if you know this or not. I'm exhausted. And if you're honest with yourself this morning, you're exhausted. Why? Because you want to keep trying to keep up with everybody else and you can't even keep up with yourself. And here's what happens when something like what happened at Hillsong happens. We go, oh my goodness, how did that happen? If you make that statement, you're foolish. How did that happen? A man was trying to prove that he was right by his own works and his own self instead of living by the faith in which he preached every single week. So here's what I want to tell you as we close. I praise God that Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. For the righteous shall live by faith. You know what faith is? Hebrews 11. It's the confidence and the assurance of the things that we hope for even though we can't see them. I got no idea what's next. I'm not talking about just in our country. I'm not talking about just in our church. I'm not just talking about what's in my life. I'm talking about I got no idea what's next. But I know who does. And I choose to put my faith in him. Because as we started our time together, who does the battle belong to? Him. What are his promises? Yes and amen. Who are you putting your trust in? If it's the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror, no wonder you're so dissatisfied. No wonder you're so broken. But if it's in the cross of Jesus Christ, if it's in the power of the resurrection, when you see the cross, I see an empty tomb. That's what we ought to be putting our faith in. So as I ask you to stand to your feet, and as we close out our time together, and as we respond in this invitation, I want you to think about a number this morning. 157,000 people. And what we've learned in Romans chapter 4 this morning is, is that it was by faith that Abraham was credited righteousness. It was not about what Abraham did. 
It was not about whose Abraham's family was. It was not about his political affiliation. It was not about his denomination. It was not about his gender. It was not about his socioeconomical. It was not about his ethnicity. It was about the fact that he had faith that God was who he says he was and that it was for always and for everyone. And at 99 years old, you could see why he thought that it might not include him. But faith is for always and for everyone. So why do I have you think about the 157,000? Listen to Matthew 28, and we're done. Because I think we need to hear this. Because this doesn't change ever. But it's amazing how we think it's only convenient when it works for us. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had delivered them. Excuse me, had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Men and women, if there's anything we need to hear this morning, God is still on his throne. We got to have faith. Jesus came and said to them, All authority of heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. And here's what I want you to see this morning Paul is trying to point out to the Romans the same thing that he's trying to point out to us today is this it's not over until God says it's over. It's not finished until God says it's finished. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your, your, your marital status. It doesn't matter if you have children or not. It doesn't matter any of that. What matters is, is do you have faith? And church, if we continue to put our faith in men and women, they will continue to let us down. And you're thinking that I'm talking about politically. I'm not talking about politically. I'm talking about in the church. I'm talking about in the basis of everybody that you have in your life. Why do you trust those people? Because you think they're better than you? You think they're more valuable than you? You're crazy. We're all the same in God's eyes. But the righteous shall live by faith. How are you measuring up to that? It starts at the foot of the cross. Then start at circumcision. Doesn't start at the law. Doesn't start in coming to church. It starts with faith and it ends with faith. Will you pray with me? Father God, I beg you this morning to have your way. I beg you this morning that even though I tried a little too hard, God, your word would preach for itself. And God, I pray this morning that we would respond to you and you alone. God, to you be the glory and you be the praise. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, hey, this altar is available. You can pray right where you are. If you're tired, you're overwhelmed, you're broken, come back to your faith. And remember, your faith is not based on you. It's based on him. Will you worship with us? 
My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless. God bless.